Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Where are we? In the village, talking about the final episode of The Prisoner, Fallout. Fallout, yes. Um, probably the most controversial episode of The Prisoner out there. Oh, oh, you don't say. I need, ch- I need to check your eyes for eye strain after that eye roll there. This episode doesn't sit well with you. I am so depressed. It just makes me so sad. It really, really does. Like, genuinely, in my heart, I want to cry sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people that says that a terrible end erases everything that came before it. Because, you know, those episodes and the things that I love about The Prisoner, they still exist. They were, you know, they still happened, and I can still go back and watch them as many times as I want. Um, So the fact that that this is the culmination doesn't erase the good feelings that I had previously. Good. That's good. (laughs) How, how, out of curiosity, I don't know if you've spent much time thinking about this, but in your ideal world your scenario how would you have ended a show like the prisoner do, do, do you have thoughts on that and what what you would have liked to have seen out of, the, out of the last episode i don't i think that i wouldn't have wanted an ending at least not like this mm-hmm. um i think i would have liked something more not open-ended in a weird way but either he you know he doesn't get away and we are just left to like you know there's there's not a a a culminating episode like you know we just yeah like you know it is left completely open and up to your head cannon like does he ever get away or is he stuck there forever or like i'm not sure that any ending would have would have lived up to what what came before so you're thinking like an an ambiguous last episode or just like, oh, this just happens to be the last episode we made. It doesn't necessarily wrap things up. Yeah, either way. Although I I uh I don't think I've talked about this before, but one of the one of the, the theories about about the the village and the, you know, whole idea behind it by um which I think it was what is his name? George Markstrom? Mark uh, Stein, the uh, the script editor, I think? Yeah, yeah. Him, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, that in an interview that he had given at, at some point, his sort of take on it was that, uh, that you know, the, the it was always mooted that The Prisoner was a sequel to, you know, Danger Man mm-hmm. or whatever the other title of that show is. Secret Agent Man. Secret Agent Man, yes. Um, and that... Uh, that uh, our hero number six uh, resigned on purpose because he knew that if he resigned he would be taken to the village well actually let me rewind just a little bit more the theory is that uh, that he had actually mooted the idea of a retirement village for for super spies who you know just a a secure place for them to retire to where they don't have to worry about you know the outside world and letting secrets away and that sort of thing that he'd mooted that some time previous when he was a he was a super secret agent and that he later on in his career got word um, or whis- heard whispers that, that such a thing had been implemented, but he couldn't find much information about it and 
mysteriously resigned on purpose with the sole intent of being captured and brought to this village because he knew that he couldn't just resign for no reason and sort of get away with that. And his the whole point of this was him infiltrating this place to figure out, you know, what they were doing with it had you know was it for the right reasons and just to be able to bring it down from the inside Mm -hmm. and i really kind of like that idea especially because as i've pointed out to you before um the opening the opening monologue you get him saying who is number one and what's the next line after that you are number six (laughs) you are comma number six Mm -hmm. so in in essence he has been number one all along because he was not because there's a weird version of him in a white robe under two masks but because he was the one who actually invented the idea of the village to start with um anyway i just i always thought that that's it may not exactly uh match to everything that we've seen on on screen but I, i like that idea of the two shows being tied together and of this this heroic character who's at the center of it all really really being at the center of it all um so if if that were the case then perhaps some sort of culminating episode that sort of does a similar you know kind of ends in a similar way Mm -hmm. to this with him you know being brought to you know face to face with the fact that it, it was him that started it and him taking it down from within but not in a weird cartoony sort of like it might as well have been Judge Doom up there like from Roger who framed Roger Rabbit like it was just wacko Um, so I'm not like totally opposed to everything that this episode does I'm just opposed to every way that it does it I guess yeah Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if I mean you know what you say is uh, uh, in my mind perhaps not far from the truth and more of a meta fashion though and that Mm -hmm. I think McGowan uh, sort of saw his fame um, as danger man slash secret agent man as kind of a prison in and of itself. He was so famous from that. You know, he was like, he was wanted as like the first James Bond actor. And like, there was this huge sort of super spy aspect to him. And sort of he, this, this is who he was becoming in his mind. I think he wanted to completely leave all that behind. And that had sort of become a prison for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in a way, in a sort of roundabout way, him, he had created his own prison Mm -hmm. by being that character. And, uh, you know, there is an element of that perhaps and into why he created this series and why he wanted to say what he, what he did. Well, um, ending it this way, absolutely undermines all of that so well done McGowan (laughs) I don't know but well you know it's um it's fascinating because when as I look as I learn more about our history and our past as humanity in the past 50 years um you know we mentioned how once upon a time the episode previous to this was shot fifth um or sixth rather uh a lot earlier basically Mm -hmm. Um, and by the time this episode comes around, not only I think, you know, has perhaps McGowan's enthusiasm or perhaps his vision for the show has changed, but the world has changed too. You know, I mean, at the time when they started production, it was September of 1966. Um, but and this aired originally February 1st, 1968. 
which is in the you know heart of the Vietnam War. 1968 was renowned for worldwide protests, student protests, political protests. And I think sort of the, you know, in between all that, like the summer of love happened and all the hippie movement and everything. And I think it the world was turning to a much darker place in 1968. And I think... Not that this was made in sixty. I think it was made in late sixty-seven, probably. But it, I think, you know, you can kind of tell real-world events are kind of working their way into it. Like the, the final gun battle being played out. To all you need is all you need is love. That the Beatles, incidentally, were big fans of of the Prisoner, and so uh, allowed for that song to be used, and has never been excised from any video release since then because of their which is quite something when you think about it um and i think that sort of that sort of changed things i i was i was i'm wondering how this would have if they had just sort of made like 13 episodes all in a row or something like that when they did if this episode would have been any different probably because mcguin wrote it over the course of a weekend but uh yeah uh, d- drug and booze fueled weekend I'm sure I don't know well apparently he had uh, um, Kenneth Griffith who played the president there had to write most of his own dialogue um, I think so too did Alexis Kanner I don't know there are elements of this that I'm not sure of I think it's you know like Dem Bones why that song in particular is played <laughs> throughout you're shaking your head yeah, I just I, I don't have anything to say. I'm just mm. this is just me shaking my head. Yeah, what what do you think it all means though? Do you want to think about what it all means? I mean, I th- I get the impression that he had an idea of what it means. I mean, you've mentioned throughout the course of doing this podcast that you know that the village and aspects of the village and and the show are supposed to be sort of you know metaphorical of of the world and society and you know one man's attempt to be an individual in the face of overwhelming odds of, you know, conformity and society and stuff. And I think, you know, all the guys sit in the back with with their little labels and their masks, you know, everybody looks the same, everybody moves the same, mm-hmm. um, except for when uh, when Alexi Kanner, number 48, as he starts, uh, starts singing and chanting for some reason that, like, get up immediately but other than that they're mm-hmm. all like you know moving in unison and they have have their labels you know entertainment and and old folks and youngsters youngsters anarchists mm-hmm. education yep all that stuff so i mean that's i think it's supposed to be society you know society writ large brought down into miniature into one room like these are the representatives for mm-hmm. all of those things in all of the world and it's just hideously cartoony just so i mean i i feel like i see what he was trying to get at and that's the kind of thing that i i appreciate like i i like statements like that but i think that kind of statement works when it is done subtly and metaphorically as it had been done earlier in the series mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of just putting it front and center and hanging a lampshade on it and not just any lampshade like one of those like really loud obnoxious fringed lampshades um it it to, to me at least it really loses its punch because mm-hmm. it's just it becomes psychedelic farce and that's for me it just doesn't doesn't interest me so like many of the things like yeah there's, there's science fiction weird stuff like you know trading faces and bodies and and all that kind of 
uh, science fictional nonsense that couldn't really happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. But if you sort of ignore the tech of it, right. the rest of the village and what they are capable of seems pretty pretty realistic to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, gassing somebody and taking them away and setting them up in an apartment, even, you know, having the door open and close on its own and having cameras installed everywhere. All that stuff seems pretty real-worldy, pretty legit. But I think it stretches my... Uh, credulity to think that they also have this weird dog and pony show set up in the basement where they have like a guy in judges robes and a bunch of dudes in masks that bring people up for it. and the fact that they would just say okay you have won this this test so now you're now you're the leader mm-hmm. because as i said in our previous podcast episode um the the technology and sort of what they were doing in Once Upon a Time doesn't strike me as, as terribly far afield from some of the other some of the other heists they've tried to pull on Number Six's mind. So I was kind of okay with that side of things, but that at the same time, the fact that it's similar enough to the other ones makes me go, okay, so why is this one any different from the others? Why after this? Why is this the moment that he suddenly um, becomes their leader? And, you know, even leaving out the fact that it's ridiculous that that suddenly they'd be like, OK, um, you're you're the leader. Why? Why this one? What is what makes this more impactful? Because, you know, I'm there's there is a part of me that if you if you take away the silliness of a lot of this stuff, the the idea of some sort of organization recognizing the grand superiority of a single person and trying to woo them over to just be like yes please take over and then and the idea of this character being faced with a choice Mm -hmm. like i can i can do the thing that i wanted i can escape i can go away i've got my passport all that kind of stuff or i can stay here and be in charge and maybe sort of like you know change it and Mm -hmm. fix things from the inside those like the ideas there are really solid and really good it's just the way that it's played out on the screen makes it impossible for me to take it seriously i like how he you know he goes to make a speech and everything and everyone's like celebrating him as the individual you know you've you've succeeded you become the individual please lead us and tell us how to be individuals basically and he keeps trying to speak and everyone just shouts i i i that's all they pick up it's just how to be I, you know, they don't know, they don't understand what individuality is about. They just shout it back at him and drown him out mm-hmm. and drown out what he's actually trying to say to them, which I found mm-hmm. also quite fascinating. So like if this episode were a dream sequence, mm-hmm. I feel like it would work really well because yeah, that's the kind of thing that you could experience in a dream that's, that's, you know, the all of these people not understanding what individuality really is and just parroting back the I, 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 but it's just so wacky that believing that this is happening right under Port Marion, that's what breaks my heart. Or wherever. Or wherever. It's near the A20, which is not that far from London. That's where it comes out. That's like, that's the thing. Where Mm -hmm. is the village? Mm -hmm. You know, it's... But we don't know how long they were in that thing in the trailer singing and dancing and stuff Mm could have been could have been much longer could have been Mm -hmm. maybe it was who knows Mm -hmm. that's that's the thing i'd I'd honestly i think the point of the of the series is it doesn't matter where the village is Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter who is supposedly in charge of it because in the end it's you you know 
Which is all, you know, beautiful ideas, Mm -hmm. but it just makes me sad. Oh, <laughs> that that there's this thing that I just loved so much, and this is the way that that they that they end it. Just it felt like a very sharp left turn, sort of toward the end here of getting weirder and weirder. It just, yeah, it just doesn't work for me, and it just I just I'm I'm trying not to uh, I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. the past still exists. I still I can still watch those episodes, and I can still enjoy them. Well, you're not alone. Uh, I know that uh, he, McGowan, basically ran and hid for a while after this aired because so many fans were upset at the ending of this series and they expected more and wanted more. I feel like he took the subtext of the show mm-hmm. and tried to make it text and it just didn't It just didn't translate. Mm-hmm. How so? What do you mean by that? I mean, the subtext of the show had always been these, you know, these great themes mm-hmm. and when you just basically say this is my theme and like right. skywrite it it's like it doesn't really have as much um as much impact i think and yeah i like the um i think i mentioned this at the beginning of this this odyssey that we're on the um about how there's a sign in the shop that says uh is it a shopper? I can't remember one of the government offices, you know, questions are burned to others, answers a prison for oneself. And only, only on this time through, or perhaps the last time through when I was watching the first time with you, did I realize that basically that explains the ending because, you know, questions are a burden to others. Um, answers a prison for oneself. The answer the that number six finally finds out who is number one is himself. It's the prison for himself. That sign on the wall actually telegraphs the end of the series in a way. So what do you make of the fact that he finds himself and then the second self gets away and the first self also gets away in the back of a trailer? Um, Is, did that actually happen? Was that some sort of a fever dream? Um, or are there two of him? Is this just another bit of uh, you know weird science fiction p- prisoner tech that there was a different version of him running this place all along who just got away? What would happen if um, anyone else went into that room? Would they see themselves? Would they see number six up there? You know, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, you look at the president and it's almost like he sort of knows what's going to happen. I'm wondering if he's, you know, nobody actually re- believes, have you ever spoken to number one? Mm-hmm. Um, number two says, have I ever seen him face to face? No, he hasn't really seen him before. He, it could, You know, that, that's kind of left open-ended too. So I don't know. I don't know if there is two number sixes running around. I don't know why there was the, the ape mask on there at first. Uh, perhaps just as a ruse to think, oh, who is it? Oh, it's just this weird ape mask. And now we'll we'll show you who the real one. I I read somewhere about how you know, and it, it made in a day before um, VCRs or PVRs or digital, if you will. Uh, it's very brief and vague. The shots of who is wearing the number one robes there. It blink and you miss it. Some people might have not even seen that it was number. That it was Patrick McGowan in that. So they just yeah. think it's just some rando mm-hmm. who was in charge and went woo-woo and yeah. then just got away at the end. Mm-hmm. 
which I mean, okay, if you want to, even if you miss that, um, or you think that, okay, it's a different person or creature or something that's just going to reflect whoever shows up, number one gets away in the end, which is kind of depressing in and of itself. Well, he goes up into the rocket and the rocket go- is blasted off. Basically, number mm-hmm. six kind of like sets right. all and sets the controls up. Mm-hmm. And where does the rocket go? Who knows? The village is still there, mm-hmm. you know, because they fly around it. And then they expect me to believe that they evacuate the village, which makes me think that, okay, so that if everybody knows how evacuation works, Mm -hmm. then everybody was in on it except for number six. (laughs) Like, I've often thought that throughout this whole series that whenever he sort of meets anyone he meets, I'm suspicious of everyone in that village, even the people who's or who he claims to have known on the ins, you know, on the outside. Mm And people who it looks like are actually he's conspiring with. I just feel like everyone was in on this. So the entire village could have been, uh, you know, one theory would be that the entire village was constructed simply as a way to try to get number six to do something or conform or take charge of the world or something. Certainly to conform, I think. That seems like a lot of trouble to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. they tried it with number 48 and number two as well, and they rejected it. Um, what do you, you think about having... Um, <laughs> I kind of like that sort of a redemption arc in a way to number two. Um, he sort of mm-hmm. becomes kind of like he, he is... Like they even mentioned, like I mentioned in the last episode about how he was abducted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so basically that's how he got there in the first place and caved quite quickly. Um, which was mm-hmm. intriguing. Yeah, and I mean that, that's another one of the things. It's like it has. <laughs> I hate to say, it, but this episode has good bones. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Some of the ideas are great. I I like the idea of a number two um, having a redemption arc and coming to you know coming back around. I guess to recognize that this isn't a good place, mm-hmm. and you know coming to relate to number six the prisoner and recognizing he's a prisoner himself and all that stuff like that's that's good stuff mm-hmm. but it's surrounded by an acid trip it is a bit of an acid trip mm-hmm. you know it's rebellious it's anarchic it's it, it is anarchic yes it is that and as uh, another thing that uh that gets said, I think, in the chimes of Big Ben, or one of the ones where he actually gets out supposedly and talks to his old bosses. You know, he says, "I'm not even sur- sure which side runs this village." And at the end of this, you know, there's no. He's not necessarily calling out for peace because they mow down a whole bunch of people to all you need is love. They, he's not really calling out for. Uh, a leftist or or right wing kind of ideology. I think he's sort of saying that there's there's faults in everything, and you just have to figure it out yourself. Just bring down the establishment because yeah. it's all wrong. Mm-hmm. Which I, and which I think is why that it's been so discussed and so debated over over fifty years. It's when um did did you ever watch The Sopranos at all? I watched the first season. Okay, um, I didn't. I worked, I worked at a TV station at the time, and so whenever we would have bring in episodes and it was my turn to, like, dub them or something, that's when I saw it. And I think I watched the tail end of the last episode, another finale that mm-hmm. everyone had so many problems with because it sort of ends and there's, like, a 10-second black 
And everyone was going, what happened? Did my TV sort of switch off? Everyone just was disappointed. They expected some big giant final shootout or something like that. But instead, Tony like mentions like three episodes prior or something that, you know, when you get whacked, you you never know when it when it happens. And that that last episode is just spent setting up little red herrings. And all of a sudden he just did he get whacked? what happened? Did their life go on? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Ten years later people are still dissecting and talking about that ending Mm -hmm. if we had a more conventional ending to the prisoner i don't think that this series would be as fondly remembered or certainly discussed and Mm -hmm. hashed and rehashed and overhashed as it is Mm -hmm. yeah i know so i mean for that alone i guess i am grateful Mm -hmm. i'm grateful to the end because you're right if if not for that then maybe it never would have come to my attention and i never would have watched it and been able to appreciate the bits of it that I love so much so mm-hmm. there's there's that thank you for that silver lining it's a bonkers series that could only end in a way that you really couldn't understand and I suppose that's a good thing I guess mm-hmm. mm. but you love the series overall though right yeah I mean except for like say the, the, the last three episodes and honestly like ever since the first time we watched it I've sort of just had this that just my my own personal headcanon is those last three episodes never really happened or were a dream of his and you know the life in the village goes on or he gets out I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some great fic out there that mm-hmm. somebody could point me to that has a, a more satisfying ending you know like he wakes up there's there's another episode after this and he wakes up in his bed in the village from what was a crazy crazy fever dream you know even even sure once upon a time it happened that's fine like you know as long as fallout gets erased in in the official erica headcanon uh, i think i'm i think i'm all right with it uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's it's just depressing that's just what i keep coming back to there's this this wonderful thing and i just it's like you know a, a great symphony that ends with a wet fart <laughs> wow. yeah i really i it does does not it doesn't work for me on any level that's except for like i said some of the bones of it mm-hmm. some of the ideas are are great which is why i feel like it would play out really really well as a dream sequence because then you can do the weird stuff and the people in masks and the back and forth conversations with the same repeated words over and over again that are just you know that's that's super dreamlike that's super weird yeah but dream see that's been done though hasn't it dream because that would have been disappointing it'd be like oh it did it never really happened well okay then we should then oh. it just should never have really happened <laughs> i'm saying the fact that it exists like for me it works better to pretend that that was mm-hmm that that was just all all a dream that either number six had or just that patrick mcguin had what did you think of the uh the sort of the the one of the final shots is um uh, the butler going up there and the door opens (laughs) up on its on its own Uh, part of me wonders okay was that actually in the original script that mcguin wrote or was that just like a a last minute thing like you know the, the script the script has the butler going into the building and as they're about to film it they're like oh wouldn't it be cool if the door just opened and closed on its own why oh who cares it's just really cool i feel like i feel like that was intentional yeah okay i feel like i feel like not only was that intentional i feel like the you know the fact that they chose a place that was number one Mm. buckingham place you know, it was number one the whole time. Another yep. clue the whole time that it was. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. You are, comma, number six. Number six. Yep. 
also number one. Although, just to mention something totally uh, mundane about that last bit with the butler. When they have the close-up of him getting in the car, the car is green with a little bit of red and or with a little bit of um, yellow on the front, whereas every other place that we've seen it in the series and in the overhead shots of him driving around, which are probably possibly taken from an earlier shot. It was taken from the uh, opening pedal sequence. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the car is black. So I don't know if they couldn't get the same car for the final episode or what, but I was just like, did, maybe TV, maybe TVs were just poor enough back then that you couldn't tell that it was, it was green instead of black. Or uh, editing, and hopefully you didn't notice. Yeah. Th- that's often how TV works, even today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That could be said. Yeah. But it, Yep, I mean, given what the rest of the episode is and the things that it's very, very much trying to say, I think the idea that the door opens on on its own is, yeah, that's sort of a perfect capper mm-hmm. at the end there. Like, you can't escape it anywhere. Mm-hmm. It is, this is just the, the way of the world. It is. It's mm-hmm. both a depressing and, up, you know, uplifting thing because the last shot is him sort of driving headlong towards the camera, you know? very defiant look on his face that he sort of continues to fight his new fight mm-hmm. to break out of his personal prison. And he's, you know, it's 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 very perfectly symmetrical the entire series when it comes to like opening and closing mm-hmm. shots because the very very beginning is him driving, you know, he's it's a tiny little him in his car with this, you know, the giant horizon behind him driving down this long road which is the the polar opposite of him being stuck in this small village in mm-hmm. this small apartment and and all that stuff. So the the idea that he gets out and is free and is able to, you know, the, the only the only thing that would have made it more sort of perfectly symmetrical symmetrical would have been him driving away from the camera like off into the sunset but i'm glad they didn't do that because that would have been corny is it symmetrical or is perhaps it's just a cycle because that's Mm -hmm. the exact same shot as the very first opening shot of the title sequence (laughs) that's true it all begins again Mm Hmm. yeah and then perhaps in that version there's a different final episode oh my god it's like the dark tower books and then the dark tower movie it's just another cycle Mm Hmm. there you are Okay, well, if that helps a little, I guess. Does he have a horn this time? You have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know. He doesn't have a horn on the car. Doesn't he have signal lights? He has to <laughs> use his hand to signal as he turns. You ever notice that? Yeah. So maybe in the next cycle, the car will get a horn, and <laughs> then we'll be closer to it actually ending. <laughs> well, I I like it i never i never claimed to understand it fully but uh as the years go by i understand or sort of certainly reinterpret more and more which is a testament to a truly great series i love doctor who to bits as you know but i've always felt like this is possibly the most important television series ever made the fact that it stands up 50 years later and can be reassessed and you know, I've said this before, but the the way it approaches some of the topics in here are are deliberately not current. You know, not like rooted in the in the time period, maybe in the style, but not in the way they tell it. That you could sort of apply, um, you know, modern day events to episodes of television that aired fifty years ago. It's it's a series that constantly evolves yet stays the same at the same time. 
and I'm glad that I showed it to you, and I'm glad that you took it on board so much mm-hmm. in the early episodes that <laughs> sh- you wanted to do a podcast about it uh, to celebrate its 50th anniversary. You know, maybe uh, in a few months when marijuana is legal in Canada, you should just get me super stoned and show me the last couple these last couple episodes again, uh, and and maybe maybe in that. Uh, in a hallucinatory state, I will make some of those connections and recognize like the glorious beauty that is is these final two episodes, mm-hmm. as as some people are wont to say. Um, but yeah, I think in my current sort of left-brained nerdy state, mm-hmm. yeah, this just this does not not uh, not work for for me as the person that I am. Well, any any final thoughts about the series as a whole and, and the parts that you liked about it? Honestly, it's so hard to even think back to those things right now. It's just like there's this cloud. I, like I'm, I'm trying not to get super sad. I'm trying to wrap up the show yeah, here on a positive note, okay? <laughs> I keep throwing pitches at you. You keep looking at them as they go by. <laughs> yes. This is, that's what it's done to me. Um, I really want to go visit Port Marion someday because yeah I think as I said in our very first episode maybe in our episode zero that I just there's never been another show that I fell so head over heels for so quickly like I just found myself completely wrapped up in this and just, yeah and it's, it's hard to even know exactly what it was about it but I just fell for it um, and yeah which I think is you know the bigger they come, the harder they fall. Sort of the. I had this. this it, it was never going to completely satisfy you in no. the end, really. No, and endings are always tough. Like I love beginnings, which is why I think my favorite episode of all is Arrival. Yeah. So, <laughs> like from there, where else are you gonna go? Because that was the first episode. Because you were hooked on that first episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. One hundred percent. Yeah. So someday, someday I would like to visit Port Marion, and and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well. well thank you dear listeners uh, for following us on this on this little mini journey through uh, through the prisoner and its 50th anniversary um, of its original UK broadcast um, you can still continue listening to us on lazy doctor who wherever we are right now in the t- in February of 19 of 2018 um, we're recording this in November of 2017 just so you know uh, so we have no idea where we'll be at but um, hopefully you enjoyed this you enjoy lazy doctor who and you enjoy all the programs over at the incomparable network um, where we are very proud to be members here here so until next time be seeing you. Be seeing you? <laughs>